again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Joining me, of course, is my co-host, Matt Dudek. Hey there, everybody. Matt, of course, you can find on Twitter at Horizon Matt. And also joining us is John Parker. Guys. John, of course, you can find on Twitter as well at Horizon John. I feel like, again, I feel like the oddball not being the only one with a, with a Horizon in front of his name. <laughs> it's fine. You've got the main, a main account. We're, we're good. There you go. Which the main account, of course, is at Horizon RT. Um, you can find us on the web at HorizonRoundtable.com. Um, we're on Facebook at uh, Horizon Roundtable. And be sure to subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. And Matt, John, um, I'm happy to have uh, I'm happy to have Sean Paul on. Um, he's literally like the hardest working man on the transfer, working on transfers and everything. So Sean, Trans- thank you very much for joining us. Transfers nothing. Sean has been nailing everything in college for like the past two months. He had the Oral Roberts stuff. Like Sean's the dude. Sean thank is the you, one. Thank you. Sean is the one actually who uh, who broke out the uh, the Josh Jefferson transfer and sent us the DMs. I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah, got to have him on. So, well, Sean, welcome, yeah. welcome, uh, thanks for joining us on the show. And um, I don't know if we haven't been paying attention for like uh, you know, but this year you've kind of like been pretty ubiquitous. Kind of tell everybody a little about about your background and kind of what you've been doing. Uh, what uh, you know, you know what what your current role is because I know you're like in a lot of different things right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of everywhere, you know. I started in uh, started this account in like May, mid May of 2020, uh, writing for Making the Madness. Then, you know, still doing that, obviously, uh, doing podcast stuff for that uh, site, writing for Mountain West Wire, doing a couple other stuff. And there's a lot of stuff in store for the future, for sure, uh, that isn't out there right now. But there's going to be a lot of plans in the yeah. future. Uh, but yeah, yeah just uh, kind of doing yeah. everything. You just started. You just started co-hosting a new podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The the portal. The portal podcast with uh, Todd Zollinger. It's uh you know talking to uh players who transfer, just like an interview series kind of thing. Yeah. And your first episode, we should point out, is pretty notable. Horizon League wise, because your first interview was with the former Robert Morris uh, forward AJ Brahma, who just transferred to. Arizona State, which apparently everybody else is too, by the way. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, you've you, yeah, that, so that's it's amazing that you've kind of been able to build this kind of you know, been able to build this kind of you know following and definitely some some prominence over the last specifically ever you know specifically over the last you know three or four months. So. Uh, Good work for good for you, and you know I'm glad we're I'm glad you, we're yeah. able to get you on. Um, glad to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so first thing is first. Um, the last uh, we actually now have uh, an IUPUI coach, and I- I'm really not surprised. I mean, considering I'm the one who mentioned he might be. Why was nobody talking to him? Why his name hadn't been mentioned anywhere else last week? Matthew Crenshaw. Matt Crenshaw. The the former IUPUI player, the former now uh, Ball State assistant. And by the way, we will be talking to uh, we'll be talking to Coach Crenshaw uh, tomorrow. So we're actually going to do back to back this back to back episodes. So um, well, you guys have been warned. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. So as far as that particular opening is concerned. Um, we haven't really had a discussion about it, but it it seemed to me kind of 
the best fit for them at the time or at, it, currently because it seemed like a lot of the um, higher, you know, high major assistants were might have been kind of out of reach for IUPUI. This this one seemed like kind of a little bit, you know, makes more sense because of the fact that again, it's a a guy who who guy who knows the system, a guy who's you know had has been a uh, an assistant for quite a long time, including at IUPUI. So. Yeah, I, I think it makes perfect sense that, you know, Crenshaw is now the new guy at IUPUI. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, it's a hire that makes a lot of sense. Longtime assistant at IUPUI was a pretty good player for IUPUI. And then obviously went the to Ball State a few leader. years ago. Yeah, there you go. Uh, went to Ball State a few years ago. So I would say it's a hire that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's not like IUPUI is a super highly sought after job. So I feel like going after a guy... Uh, wanting to coach at his alma mater is probably the way to go. I mean, you could have, you know, I they probably did. I don't know. You guys will probably know more than I will about some of the guys they targeted. But, you know, some of the bigger ticket, high major assistants probably weren't going to take that job. So you kind of just want to go with who will take the job and who will want to win and do a good job. And, you know, I think Crenshaw certainly fits that. And just last week, we were actually talking about, you know, who we thought might it might be. And Bob mentioned that name and it kind of checked a bunch of boxes that I thought they would be looking at, which would be kind of going back to the well of when they did have success, which was, you know, under Ron Hunter once upon a time, uh, George Hill, who's still playing in the NBA, you know, checking those boxes. And Crenshaw, you know, played for played for uh, for, for Hunter, played next to Hill. Like it kind of checks a lot of those boxes. Him and George Hill st- still seem to be cool. So it's someone that he can kind of lean on to maybe throw, throw a little name and wait around to help get IUPUI back to prominence. No, recruiting case for sure absolutely yeah so that was that was really uh, yeah i mean it was and if i'm not mistaken crenshaw also has his uh has his number retired too at iupy so yeah he like, also followed me on twitter long before he took took this gig and i had no idea and i feel really terrible that i never had even caught that so you didn't even follow him back jeez i wasn't i am now i was like oh, oh shit, boy my I didn't he's know. gotta unfollow you for that he's gotta unfollow you for that i wouldn't blame him yeah, you're gonna have to apologize him tomorrow. <laughs> I will. I because you probably because you probably have followed you probably have followed he, he's probably followed you probably even before Oakland. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe even before uh, maybe even before Oakland even joined the Horizon League. I don't know. So God, he's probably um, got such a terrible perception of me. Well, I mean, what are you gonna do? Accurate, <laughs> right? Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, there's a there's definitely a connection with him, especially considering the last you know real success that IUPUI had was when Ron Hunter was there, and you know you've kind of got a a an order of succession there now. And by the way, um, he's not leaving the podcast tomorrow without at least one Ron Hunter story. We cannot, we can't get away with that. <laughs> there's just no way because Ron Hunter is way too awesome. So, um, so as far as it, and hopefully, I guess the big thing for Crenshaw is he's, he's going to have to hit the ground running because we're, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we're kind of, and I mentioned this last episode, that we're kind of at the point where we've kind of reversed gears where we're seeing more players transfer into the Horizon League than transfer out. That mm-hmm. would it seems to be the case, especially this, the last couple of days have been pretty, uh, 
have been pretty active and the most prominent the the one that i wanted to discuss is the one that actually came through last night um that i know it's going to be a source of uh it's going to be a very sore subject for carrick jones sorry carrick but we had to start with this one first um Detroit Mercy's Chris Brandon is staying in the Horizon League. He's just transferring from Detroit Mercy to Northern Kentucky. And I think for them, that's a that's actually a big deal. I guess my only mm-hmm. question would be, um, how does he fit in when you already have guys like, uh, when you already have an Adrian Nelson there? I guess that would be my only question. I think he fits pretty good just because he could play different roles, I guess. If you need him to start, he's done that before, you know, playing 28 minutes per game in 2019-20. And he does what he does. He's not overly flashy, but he's an efficient big man who can really rebound. Solid athlete. I think he's going to play a pretty big role for Northern Kentucky for sure. I think you really hit on it when you say athlete, too. Like, I love watching Chris Brandon play. Um, I'm I'm not... I'm not. I'm not sad to see him in the league still, or in the in the conference still, just because. Yeah, he's he's such a super athlete and he, he's fun to watch. And I think maybe under a different system where he, maybe he's allowed to catch some more alley oops and it's not you know Davis hunting his shot and all that. And, you know, he might he might be a bigger factor than than we've seen from him. I think the other two thing too is that because he's been in the league for a while, he actually brings in a little bit more experience to a Northern Kentucky team that's still pretty young. Because you still have, you know, you still have some really young guys on that team. And, you know, you still got Marquez Warwick, Trey Robinson, and David Bam. You know, they just got done with their freshman year. And then you add in a guy who's been, you know, who he's been down the Horizon League road a few times, you know, been down been in this been in here for a while. I think that's gonna be a real shot in the arm for him. And especially when you look at Northern Kentucky, who as of right now, at least transfer-wise, hasn't lost a whole lot. So I, I think it's a huge boost for them. Yeah, definitely. So, no, and, and yeah, I guess, it, yeah, and I think, yeah, I, when you look at, and again, when you look at that uh, kind of front court rotation now between him and Brandon and Bam, um, maybe Noah Hoopman, who knows? I mean, he's a seven-footer. I mean, you can't teach size, obviously. But I, I think... From that perspective, I think they get a you know Northern Kentucky gets a lot better next year, which is scary because they were pretty good this year. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I'm a big fan of Marquise Warwick's game, so I think he's gonna have a pretty big season. I feel like uh, you know anybody that really watched the Horizon League last year knows that he's gonna be you know a potential Conference Player of the Year kind of guy pretty soon. Sean, yeah. who's are your favorite teams to watch in the Horizon? When, when you do get a chance to, you know, and I'm sure you watch a lot of games from all over, all across the country, when you're watching the Horizon, especially this past year, like, what were you seeing? What You know, you just bring a new perspective that we haven't really had before. Favorite last season? Yes. Um, I mean, I like Cleveland State. I mean, just the way they play tight on defense. Uh, you know, I like the story of all the Juco guys going there, so they're always fun to watch. Des Moines Hodge is a guy that I thought, you know, could have been a first-team all-conference kind of guy. He really struggled to get consistency though. I think he's going to have a much better season next year. He obviously had that, what, 46 point game, uh, yep. but then nothing else really the rest of the season. 
So I think he's going to definitely be more consistent next year. I liked watching Green Bay a lot last year. The trio of guards with Pipes, Jefferson, and Davis was fun to watch. Obviously, all of them are now out of the Horizon League, but I also do like uh, Manny Ansong, too. He's a really good athlete. You know, I think he's only listed at like 6'4", 6'5", but he plays way bigger, which is, uh, you know, pretty incredible there. And then, you know, I mean, I like watching Luke Yaklich's teams play because they play the way he wants to play, tough on the defensive end. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a really good high major coach one day. So it's really fun to see his guys, uh, you know, buy into his culture. And he just got that nice uh, transfer the other night, too, I saw. I think it was last night. Two of them, actually. Yeah, he got, got two. two of them. Yeah, he got, uh, he got Brandon Battle, uh, the 6'7 forward from Alabama State. Big rebounder, got eight rebounds a game. So um, when you think about the fact that he just lost Braylon Bridges, who transferred to Georgia, I mean, that's a big get for them. Um, and then on the other side, he also got – if I want to say, I'm trying to remember who that was. Um, Demaria yes, Franklin. Demaria from Franklin. From, yes, another another guy who's you know, and that that there kind of gives them a little more depth in the backcourt. Um, I actually watched Franklin way too much this year because I was watching uh, Tennessee Tech games to see if CJ Gettlefinger would would see the floor. So I actually got to watch him more often than I probably would like to admit. So um, I think that'll be an interesting fit. He seems to be someone that wants the ball in his hands, and I don't know if that's going to be the case for, at UIC. But still, well, good- here's the other th- here's the other big question mark too because you also have Tavion Kirk who's going. You know, he he declared for the draft, but the question becomes. If that's the case, is he going to, if he opts out of the draft, which he probably will, does he stay at UIC or does he find somewhere else to go? And by the way, he probably should stay at UIC. And there's a very specific reason for that. Um, As we, and this is kind of the other big news from this week, the NCAA has finally approved the transfer waiver. But if you've already transferred before, you have to sit out a year <laughs> or you have to apply for a waiver. And this, the thing is, you know, this, this was shocking to some people that, that they put the, the one time caveat on there, but it was yeah. known to many. Like, I mean, it, I, I keep saying it was in my article about why I didn't think Rashad was going to transfer this year because he's going to have to sit. He's not going to be a grad transfer. I'll tell you that. So I, unless no. they, they pull some magic, which we know that they've tried to do before the Williams family, um, he's going to have to sit. Like I, people were surprised by that. Yeah, there was a lot of people that wow. were surprised by like that's like, like the least surprising yeah. news. I was like, yeah, I no. thought that was pretty universally known. Compliance yeah. directors have been shouting it from the rooftop. If anyone would actually talk to a compliance director now and then, like they know these things, and they were saying if if and when this passes, if you've already transferred, you're still going to have to sit a year. Yep. Yeah, and like Tavion Kirk's obviously uh, transferred twice, even though uh, one of his stops uh, he didn't play any games at Colorado State. So yeah. uh, you know. You know, he's going to be a redshirt senior next year, technically. So I'm curious to see. uh, I don't know what his like academics look like or, you know, so we'll see what happens there. But maybe he is able to graduate and be a graduate transfer. But, you know, I I have no clue. I don't know if he I don't know if he's I don't know if he leaves, though. Uh, Yeah, I don't I don't know if he does either. But I think I, I think a big key for UIC next season, though. They're in the final four uh, list for Tyler Perry, guard from Coffeyville uh, Community College. Yeah. He's a really good player. I think he could easily be one of the best scorers in the Horizon League if they're able to add him. 
yeah, that's that is true. And yeah, we um, yeah, I think it's it hard to kind of get a read on the on this season with UIC and Luke Yaklich because they've had it available player availability was a big issue for them last year because there were whole chunks of the season where there is at least you know at least two or three key components of that team that were missing almost at all times. And I think that really affected them the entire season. So I think that's going to be a big key for them going into next season, I think. Cause they're not a terror. They're not a bad team. You know, they, they definitely have, they've, they definitely had the tools last year. It was just a matter of trying to get them all on the same page. And I, you know, with, with all the fits and starts that they had, you know, you know, individually, it was pretty hard to kind of make, uh, you know, heads. You know, it was pretty hard to kind of get the guys all on the same page at the same time. It that's that's my assessment. It looked like. No, I agree because the way Luke Yaklich wants to play, winning on the defensive end with you know starts and stops, COVID pauses, guys missing games, it could be tough to get that continuity going on the defensive end. You know, stay conditioned with COVID pauses. So last year is kind of tough for a coach that wants to win with his defense. So I think next year, hopefully, it's a lot uh, smoother. Yeah. Um, by the way, uh, Sean, I would be remiss if we didn't mention a uh, transfer, a a commitment that you literally just put out there for Purdue Point for Wayne. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about that guy? Try and break it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Damian Sean Kui, the transfer from Mount St. Mary's, going to Purdue Fort Wayne. You know, he's a very undersized guard, 5'8", but he's super quick, super smart. He's able to shoot from pretty far out. I feel like he became a bit of a, you know, not a national name, but more people got to learn who he was during the uh, NCAA tournament in the first four when, uh, yeah. you know, they played in that game. His story is pretty, you know, crazy. Just everything he's gone through in his life, he's been through a lot. But, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a really good player in the Horizon League. Because he's super quick and he can shoot the ball when needed. He's a good rebounder for his size. He's just a guy that'll play hard for all 40 minutes. So I think that's going to be pretty big. And obviously, you know, looking at Fort Wayne next season, they yeah. lost a good amount of their roster from last year. Obviously, they're losing uh, Demetri Horton. He decided to transfer to North Carolina A&T. So that's a pretty big loss because I was a big fan of Horton last season. I thought he yeah. was uh, very good. So. You know, you're losing some pretty big-time players. You know, you do return a fair amount of guys. You return Jared Godfrey, Deontay Billups, uh, Bobby Plantus. So you, you get that back, but uh, Sean Quee going to be the guy next season. He's going to lead them in scoring and assists probably. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, I know that. Uh, de- yeah, definitely. I think he, he definitely, from just looking at him on paper, he definitely looks like he would certainly compliment Godfrey and, you know, by the way, I'm never going to be not sad that my favorite guy over at uh, Purdue Fort Wayne, Bobby Planudis, is coming back. That is like, as long as he doesn't do anything to Cleveland State, I'm good. Uh, I'm <laughs> just excited in, that Jalen Moore is not going to be the shortest guard in the league all of a sudden. Like that, I never thought I'd see that day. <laughs> ah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I think that's a yeah. I think he, yeah, Sean Quee probably. I think he definitely more than makes up for. Uh, Demetric Horton transferring. Um, I think, and, and again, the way that John Kaufman's offense is set up, I think it works real. It's going to work really well for them. I think. Yeah, they were a really good three-point shooting team last season. Yeah, and I think you know, I I don't know off the top of my head what Sean Quee shot last season. I think it was like thirty-five, 
but he's certainly a guy that can extend his range. I think he could, like, he, you know, he could be a high-volume guy like he kind of was at Mount St. He shot 33% from deep. I think he's a better shooter than that. Yeah, he might not. Yeah, and at the same, when you have guys like Polutis, Jalen Pipkins, Jared Godfrey already in the lineup, um, he may, you know, his role may be more because you know he he's obviously uh, he obviously proved himself as a distributor. I mean, he might have a lot more opportunities, you know, getting those guys off the ball and in better positions to you know shoot from the arc, which will really boost their uh, boost their three point percentage, which. It's going to be a problem for the rest of the conference. Mm-hmm. No, no. The um, I will say, and by the way, um, as of like a couple weeks ago, Cleveland State joined everybody else as having at least uh one player in the transfer portal. Cleveland State now has two. Uh, Hugo Ferrero, who I wasn't exactly surprised entered the transfer portal. He uh, he was he was a starting point guard uh for parts of. Uh, the 1920 season, and then um, when Craig Bodwan kind of broke out as the starting point guard for Cleveland State, he kind of his role was kind of a, a considerably diminished. So um, I I wasn't really surprised that uh, he was going to make his way to the transfer portal. The other one, the other transfer just and he just announced this week is Alec Oglesby. That's um, a big one. That one's a big one, um, but again, there there seems to be, and he and don't get me wrong, I think he will probably the way that Cleveland State's system is set up, it's you know, I I just I can see him being a a big producer for a team that doesn't that doesn't run like fifteen deep every game. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel really stupid that I never thought of the last name Oglesby, which is not a very common last name, and didn't think, oh, you know, like former Oakland women's player Victoria Oglesby? Oh, yeah, Alex's sister? Like, how did that never occur to me until he was in the portal and then mentioned that he'd heard from Oakland? I was like, that's a weird, oh, (laughs) that would make sense. He's heard from his sister. Yeah, and now and Oglesby has been contacted by uh, has been contacted by Oakland. So um, well, I, as I, we know, in conference in conference transfers are a thing all of a sudden. So along yeah. with about forty other schools, so he's you know maybe yeah, he goes true. to Oakland. Yeah, no, I don't maybe really expect him there at all. But yeah, I mean, looking at the list of the the, the schools that have contacted him, um, by and large, there's there are programs that again would lend you know, lend themselves to making him a pretty integral part of their, their particular rotation. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if I, while I wouldn't be surprised that he ends up at Oakland, I would be equally not surprised if he seeks life elsewhere. I do not think he will be at Oakland. I will say that. I'm probably, I mean, you never know. (laughs) I mean, he's getting high major interest too, but like at the same time, it's just interest. Like we have to see what like actual offers, because you know there's guys that I've talked to that have heard from you know whatever school, and then they just stop talking to them. So you know at the end of the day, the interest part is cool and all, but until you yeah. see an actual offer, you, you, it doesn't really mean anything. Well, and it's funny you say that because on you know my side where I'm watching, especially Oakland players, like you know we have the Dan Oladapo, Dan Oladapo, and you know. <laughs> He, he puts out this tweet about how he's heard from, you know, or has someone else put out, you know, he's heard from these 
all these major teams and blah. And then all of a sudden he's down to two and it's a Horizon League team in Fullerton where his former teammate Maddox is. And he must have been looking at Fullerton because all of a sudden he pulls that tweet, which is what he always does. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and and then it's quiet. Like, well, what happened to all these other, all this other interest? And I, you know, it's not just him. I, th- I think all these other players, you know, they, they hear from a coach who's just maybe, you know, testing to see what the waters might be like. And to them, that's interest. But, you know, I what they like really, really hearing. I feel like one of his every one of his tweets should be a, should also be tied in with like soap opera music too. <laughs> Probably. What were you gonna say, Sean? <laughs> no, this isn't the case with Oladapo. I I'm pretty sure he's heard from Cal State Fullerton and Wright State. I'm sure they've offered, but there is yeah. scenarios like fairly frequently where there's gonna be a final six or a final eight for a player, and I'll uh, you know they haven't heard from that school in like three weeks, and they haven't actually been offered on like. Uh, team on their list so like just because you see a team on someone's final list does not actually mean that uh the school's actually considering them yeah that's great information because i had no idea so that's really cool to hear that man yeah yeah that that happens you know not every list but it happens more than people probably realize because when i see that you know they take the time to have someone put that out or whatever to me that tells me that you know they've got offers from this this and this and those those are the ones that they're going between not necessarily that they are hoping for so that's that's interesting to think of it that way true true indeed um so the one thing that yeah and also here's another question that i had because i'm seeing this a lot more often and specifically the one example i can give is youngstown state where you actually have players that are who spent last season in non-division one team at non-division one schools making the jump to division one and i i don't know if you've seen uh, i this has been i i think we we only saw it once last season with manny and song but it seems to me this season it's happening a lot more frequently, not obviously not just in the Horizon League, but in, uh, throughout you know Division One, and I'm just trying to figure out if this is kind of just a one-off thing, or is this just a, the start of a new trend? No, it's because of the free year. I mean, uh, yeah. that's the main reason because guys coming from D2 levels, they could have had a breakout season their final year, or they wanted you know to do that unfinished business or whatever people call it these days kind of stuff at their current school. And then they, they knew going into the season that they're going to try to go D one after the season. I think that's just another impact of the free year. So the next three years, we're probably going to see a lot more of the same thing. I think it's the last chance you factor. And that's probably not really, but I just wa- finished watching it the other day. So like now I'm really big into to that idea. I'm so mad they're not gonna be there because that because they're that the and obviously net last chance you basketball on uh, on Netflix you absolutely have to see it it's awesome I'm actually kind of disappointed that we're probably not gonna see them because I believe that particular schools uh, because it's in California they didn't even get to play this year this last season because they canceled the entire season over I'd rather see I'd rather see a regular JUCO than a uh california juco anyways though so hopefully they could find or i don't know if they're doing another season of it but if they are i'd prefer they do like uh you know just a normal juco what is the difference because i i don't know i i, I will admit Ca- I, I'm, california I juco's are kind of like in their own league like the yeah. njcaa they're not part of that okay yeah yeah and i think yeah they, and uh yeah so that would probably be you know yeah because it seems to me that they spent a lot of time I would probably say one of the 
you know, Florida JUCOs or maybe even like Hutchinson Junior Community College in Kansas. I don't know why that one comes up, but I'd like to see them, honestly. I'd like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they got some, they got some dudes this year. So I'd like to, uh, I mean, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see uh, only, only Central, but but again, I'm I'm biased, and I thought I was getting a second. Only <laughs> yeah, I, um, one other for now. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Tevison Olson and Owen Long are the two non D one players that uh, that signed on with uh, with Youngstown State, and I believe there was a third one from I want to say Mount Union. Um, I think Chris Shelton it was. Uh, from Division Three, even so, because yeah, I think Tevin Olson was from NAIA, Chris Shelton from D three, and Owen Long was from D two. So, um, the yeah, there's some thing, wild stuff going on. Uh, it absolutely is. Last thing for me, like uh, there's this NAIA kid, forgot his name, but uh, I'm gonna be honest, I don't watch NAIA basketball uh, at all. So I don't really remember the kid's name, but he's, you know, like 6'11", can shoot the ball. I checked him out a little bit, but he's, like, testing the NBA waters. I'm like, I have never seen an NAIA kid with eligibility left testing the NBA waters before. Not in, not in our generation, I'm sure. I mean, it might have happened long ago in, like, the 70s or 80s, but definitely not now. <laughs> no way. Um but I mean, it's a it's a brand new ball game. Everything kind of get everything's gotten all kind of mixed up in the last year or so. So who knows? Who's to say? So the one other thing that and staying on staying on Youngstown State, and this is actually something we have not seen heard from a lot of the Horizon League schools is Youngstown State has actually gotten at least three of their seniors back next year for the uh, for that extra season so uh they've already announced michael akuche is coming back garrett covington's coming back and jameer thomas is coming back um thomas kind of makes sense because he missed most of last year um but the other two are pretty huge and by the way i'd like to like to point out the fact that you know we uh, at horizonroundtable.com we got our senior tracker so if anybody else has any other announcements Please tell us, because <laughs> we don't know. We really don't. I mean, it's been by and large pretty quiet on the senior front for most. Uh, mostly, I think the only one I can think, Kevin Kangu, uh, announced that he's trans, uh, that he's entered the portal. Um, obviously, Green Bay had uh, Pipes and Jefferson that were going to be going into the portal. Um, obviously, AJ Brahma. <laughs> so. Um, if we're looking at from that standpoint, I guess the question that I would have that I would pose is, are we going to see what is it? What are we going to be seeing here? And it's going to be I'm assuming it's going to start happening pretty soon. What are we going to start seeing with some of these seniors in terms of what decisions they're making? We've seen a little bit, but not a lot. And it's been to me, it's been a pretty it's been quieter than I would have thought it would have been from seniors that are thinking that are making decisions upon whether or not they want to use their extra year or not. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys throughout the country at the mid-major level decide to transfer. So I guess we'll kind of see, I mean, we haven't seen guys like Nasbo Hannon and uh, Loudon Love make their decisions yet, I believe. So those are two interesting ones. I'd kind of expect both of them to just go pro. 
that's kind of just been my feeling the whole time. But, you know, maybe they don't. I mean, Loudon Love could easily transfer to last season but didn't. Uh, same for Bohannon, I guess, if he wanted to. But, you know, yeah. since we haven't seen a decision yet, I feel like they're not going to transfer. So, like, if they are going to transfer, I felt like that's something they would have already done. So I feel yeah. like they'll both probably just go pro. I've got a, a loud and love source, and, and basically all we've gotten out of it is loud and love is real quiet right now and is probably still trying to really figure it out anyway. Like, he's just not yeah, sure yeah. what the best route is, I think. I mean, neither of those guys, like, just calling it what it is, are ever going to be NBA guys, but they could get paid overseas. So, like, it's, oh, you know, what do they want to do? Do they want to wait a year to get paid overseas and play one yeah. more year in college, or do they want to just start the pro cycle now? It's probably like the difference of playing in Russia or playing in, you know, Greece or something, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And the and pro think, mar- the overseas markets are uh, just kind of what I heard are kind are kind of different right now. They're not the same as usual because of COVID stuff. Yeah. And I think that I, well, I think that was the decision that I think that's kind of probably why both Marcus Burke and Elijah Goss both opted to go pro at, from the IUPUI side because they probably looked at their situations and decided, especially on, with Marcus Burke, because he went through, he declared for the draft last season, last year, and saw kind of what that was all about and decided, you know what, um, it's probably in my best interest to um, go the pro route. So that, that to, at least for those two guys, it made perfect sense. Um, mm-hmm. But you're right, we have not, we have not heard from a lot of these guys who are, seniors that we potentially have an extra year there um all the cleveland state guys haven't heard back for, heard from what they're doing um uic we haven't heard from either michael diggins or rob howard um you st- t john lucas has announced he's going into the you, he declared for the draft and not you know announcing an agent he could theoretically come back so there's a lot of moving parts for uh, in the Horizon League as far as seniors are concerned, and we're we're not. I'm not 100 percent how everybody's gonna how how everything's gonna break. And yeah, it'll be interesting course, for sure. Tory Patton's a big one too, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, and I think, and I'd like to say that Tory Patton probably falls into the same category of a Loudon Love and a Nas Bohannon, where. He probably it's likely that he's going to have pro opportunities, so I'm sure he's probably weighing that at that point at this moment. Wouldn't doubt it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the um, yeah. So that is uh, the one other thing that I obviously wanted to let's see here. Yeah. Um, I guess the last uh, the the next thing is going to be the situation in Milwaukee where we don't know what's going on, but you know I'm sure people are speculating. <laughs> And I think you all know what we're talking about. <laughs> it involves a, a particular son of a particular coach. John, care the way in? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, right now, obviously, there's just a bunch of kind of question marks about what's going on with Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, my hunch all along had been that there were he was. I guess senior was trying to either get an extension with Milwaukee or try and get like a, I guess you'd call it still a parachute job. Um, Basically a longer contract for about the same amount of money with, you know, an an opening, you know, 
um, whether that be there were actually rumblings about Marquette on Friday. Um, <laughs> Sorry. As an assistant. Um, but that's kind of what I've been thinking is like, I've been watching the Duke assistant job. Um, if DePaul was a little bit more of a train wreck, that could have been one where maybe they, I mean, they hired, you know, assistant coaches who had connections to highly ranked recruits to try and get, um, you know, a lot of those guys over the years. And I don't know. I mean, at this point, I'd hope a decision's coming soon since, I don't know, it seemed the whole process like it was has been down to Duke and Milwaukee for a while. Uh, though recently we're also hearing that Georgetown might be in play, which was kind of interesting oh. and out of left field. Gross. <laughs> I agree. I, feel I don't like, like yes. anything about that. The longer it goes on, um, the more I feel that Baldwin's trying to shop his kid around for for a job. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's what's been happening the whole time. Um, and I guess, yeah, the the Marquette situation was a little bit nerve wracking for a minute there. Um, it didn't last very long. I think it lasted like a half an hour. <laughs> yeah, it might not have even been that long. It was like literally like five minutes when. Uh, <laughs> I got a message about it. I was like, oh, okay. And then five minutes later, an entire Marquette staff is announced. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's how it felt too. But, Sean, how many messages do you get a day at, at, with info? I'm really curious. Well, it depends. Random pe- I hear random things from random people like all the time, and like 88% of them aren't true. But the other 12% is stuff that is true, so I have to double-check with other people first. But, you know, it, it really depends. Like there's some things I know – uh, probably now, honestly, that I'm not even thinking of that isn't public yet. But like, you know, you know, I, I can't. Nobody I don't. I, some things got to stay low key. So that's true. To be fair, nobody tells us anything. I don't know why. I know why because we're blabbermouths. That's why. <laughs> um, no, y'all are good. Y'all are good. <laughs> yeah, but that's interesting because that is you know that that whole entire situation is i mean especially when you got a guy like deandre golson who is not only staying but he's he's kind of leaning into a baller. You know, he's yeah absolutely and he is if you've seen him on twitter he's trying to get you know he, he's trying his damnedest to try to get uh you know to try to get everybody on to milwaukee basketball so um that's going to be very interesting because we, and again, uh, another player, another senior that has it, we haven't heard officially announce anything about his intentions for next senior next year is Josh Thomas. We haven't heard back. We haven't heard what officially what his, what he's going to be doing yet. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting, because he definitely came on pretty strong near the end, especially near, at the end of the season. I mean, if, if not for him and if not for, you know, Golston and Lucas, they're not they're they're not pulling that upset in the Horizon League tournament against uh against Bright State. There's no way in hell. No, not at all. No. But that's a yeah, and it's and did what's what's amazing to me, of course, is even with the you know when you look at this Horizon League, the, it's it's kind of a dividing line between 
the the programs that seem to be in a constant state of flux I want to. I don't want to say almost every year, but it seems almost like there's almost at least one or two programs that that seem to be in a constant state of flux. And why is it always Oakland? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Like, <laughs> but you did get. But you actually speaking of Marquette, uh, Oakland did get a pretty good, pretty good piece in Kane come in though. That's going to be huge. Yeah, that's a big one. I mean, because it was down to Iowa State and Oakland, I believe. Like, Kane had some legitimate high major interest. So, like, he could have went high major route, but he wanted to go uh, closer to home uh, and head to Oakland. So, I think that's a pretty big one because, you know, you're losing Oladapo, obviously. Kane can play the three and the four, uh, not really the five. I guess if you need him to play the five, he probably could. He's big. He's tall enough. Uh, but with Jalen Moore and Jamal Kane, I feel like it's going to be a pretty good duo next season. That's going to be huge, yeah. I would Absolutely. like uh, I'd like Jamal to bring his uh, his old friend Rocket with him, but, you know, that's <laughs> not happening. Rocket Watts. <laughs> that's not happening. No way. <laughs> not happening. I know, but I can dream, right? Uh, Do you even want him, though? Like, he wants the ball a lot. Jalen Moore is probably better. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, no, if, if Rocket thinks he's going to be ball-heavy point guard type, then no, I wouldn't mind. If he wants to pl- play the two and, and wait for that pass for more and shoot, I'm good with it. Or get to the get to the cup, I'd let it. Yeah, okay. I feel that, yeah. It's still not happening, Matt. Sorry. Yeah. I would be surprised if it did. I'd- no, it's, it's not happening. Not at all. And I know that. You could just beg him on Twitter to come to Oakland, I guess. Don't no, recruit no. people. No. Don't do it. <laughs> I just love to, to to use the picture that he – it was from before he committed to Michigan State in Oakland gear. I just love to remind people that Oakland is on his radar. It's not stupid. It's just not happening. Yeah, that's true. Go, go, you kind of had a little bit of a gag going on on Twitter there, Matt, where you were basically kind of – anybody who was announcing they were in the transfer portal, you basically tried to make some sort of Oakland connection and it's say, like five yeah, they're alive. Like, <laughs> it's like five degrees of- – Greg Campy, there you go. <laughs> it's a fun game, by the way. I don't think I've seen. I, I don't think I've seen you do it lately. No, I got bored. I got real bored. <laughs> I they got, I they got Jamal Kane, so he figured his work was done. That's right. I, I snagged one. I don't need to do any more for now. Although I'm sure in the few in the coming weeks we'll we'll see quite a bit more as far as uh, you know people coming into the conference because I, like I said, I think we're now at a point where you're seeing, you're finally seeing the, you know, this transfer portal finally coming in and you're, you're seeing players finally come in as opposed to players who are coming out. Um, Which actually brings me to my last thing. And this is, this annoys me. I'm like, so there's obviously been an argument about the transfer portal and if it's the bane of all of our collective existences, blah, 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 blah. And the NCAA looks at this and says, well, maybe if we pretend it's not a thing, it'll go away. So apparently the latest directive from the NCAA is to crack down on people's IP addresses to see who is illegally passing uh, transfer portal notes over to journalists and stuff. Like, that's going to help anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the most NCAA thing ever. It's pretty ridiculous. Jesus. Like, come on. This is, I mean, talk about trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. I mean, come on. 
That's you got Will Wade on a wiretap, and you're still not doing anything with that. But hey, if you're uh, in the transfer portal and you're not a coach, let's uh, ban your IP address. <laughs> Have you? And by the way, have you ever? I mean, like, have you guys ever heard of VPN? <laughs> like, the NCAA yep. doesn't seem to get the internet. <laughs> no, nah, I feel like they just found out how to like. Uh, they probably just found out what IP addresses were. So they're still a few <laughs> years away from figuring out what a VPN is. Isn't the NCAA always about five to ten years behind? At least yep. in this case, probably around twenty. They're probably still thinking that people like use dial-up access or something. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's it, the problem. It's so silly that. So what? When somebody finally transfers, and we realize, then, you know, we're gonna find out anyway. What's the point? I mean, even yeah, when they, I mean, I mean, most of these nine times out of ten, when so, when these kids hit the transfer portal, like literally five minutes later, they're on Twitter, they're on Instagram, announcing they're in the transfer portal. So it's like. I being legitimate here for a second, I think the only question is, and I, I, I'll admit I'm not in the portal, so I don't know, but I don't know yeah. what other sensitive information might be in the portal, and that might be a reason to make sure that people aren't in it. Just I've, been, I've been told I don't have portal access, but I've been told it's uh, you know, pretty much nothing. It just uh, shows what players – like that's all it shows, what players I didn't know are if, there, it had grade, if it had grades or anything or address no. or – or contact or okay. I don't think it, they wouldn't be. Yeah. I don't think it would be able to. I think that would be a that would. Uh, it sounds like that would be a violation of FERPA if they. Did. Well, yeah, that's that's not in there. Yeah, that's okay. Then I, that that's the only thing I could think is that they were concerned there there could be be some FERPA in there. So. No, it doesn't sound like yeah, yeah. If it's if it's like information that's going to be available to literally thousands of coaches and assistant coaches and compliance personnel and some other whatever administrative people on the back end if athletics have access to it i again i don't know who actually has access to it but it's like if you it's have supposed to be that, just coaches that's the issue just here. coaches okay. yeah but so. and it doesn't even say what i've heard is it doesn't even say phone numbers so it says yeah. it says emails and if you want to put your phone number in the notes you can yeah so that and again a lot of that stuff is not that definitely is not Co- would not be covered by FERPA, so yeah, that doesn't make any sense. So, but yeah, ban the IPs, ban the IPs. Let's look at the IPs. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Sean, thank you very much for joining us. I know you're super busy, so we appreciate the time. Um, tell yeah, everybody no where you uh, where you are at the moment, or and uh, everywhere. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I am everywhere. That's true. You can follow me on Twitter, where uh, I usually am, at Sean02MTM. Uh, be talking a lot of college basketball, pretty much every league. So if you like that, definitely check it out. I'll probably talk a lot about uh, you know, how good Noah Waterman is next season. So if you're a Horizon League fan and you want to see a lot of Noah Waterman tweets, definitely check that out. I know somebody who's going to like that. <laughs> um. A couple of somebody. So, um, as for us, again, HorizonRoundtable.com. That's where we're at uh, on the web. Uh, tune in next week. Actually, tune in. Uh, like I said, we're doing back to backs because uh, we're we've got Sean on today. Tomorrow we're gonna have Matthew, Matthew Crenshaw, the new head coach over at IUPUI. Uh, at the same time, you know, we're wherever podcasts are found, and you can find you can pull us up on your Amazon or Google devices. So. Until we talk to Coach Crenshaw, thank you all for listening.